Well, hello everybody. It is absolutely wonderful to be with you today and to have the privilege of bringing God's Word to us on this Mother's Day. This is a Mother's Day like no other that I can remember. I'm hoping that there have been some last minute handmade cards in book bags from school. Big thanks to Boris for planning that one. And I'm also hoping that posties up and down the land have been busy too, as well as Moonpig. What would you do without Moonpig at the moment? But obviously there are no bunches of daffodils being given to every woman in the church. And there are no, or certainly very few, visits from children and grandchildren. Oh, how how that hurts today. But praise God for video calls, for FaceTime and for Zoom. I think somehow it makes it even more real that this can be quite a bittersweet day for some of us. It reminds us of separation, of loss, of less than ideal relationships with mums. Perhaps it brings into focus the inadequacies that we feel in being mums. Certainly for some, the sadness of not being a mum. And perhaps this year, it's all the more poignant because of the circumstances that we're in right now. And it's right that we recognise all those different experiences today. I'll be honest, I love being a mum. Uh, It's the best and the most rewarding job in the world, as well as being, I would say, the hardest and the one that you feel most underprepared and trained for. And I find myself during lockdown actually thinking a great deal about my own mum and her mum, my grandma, uh, quite a lot recently. Quite a lot about their lives, their influence, particularly on me and my sister, their legacy, if you like. And uh, here's a picture of them that my sister recently rediscovered, uh, taken round about Christmas of 1939, not long after the outbreak of World War II. In their own way, they were both incredibly strong women, but I don't think they saw themselves as anything other than ordinary. And I think it's funny how we can often see the gold in others better than we see it in ourselves. My mum was born in 1931. She lived in Birmingham, but she was not evacuated during the war. So she spent many nights in an air raid shelter, lost school friends, saw nearby houses bombed. The latter years of life also required strength as she became a widow a year after she retired, fought off cancer once and gave a second dose a jolly good run for its money. My grandma was born in 1904 and she lived through World War I, the Depression, World War II, 21 years as a widow. And I felt very challenged when I've been prone to complaining about COVID lockdown to recall what they went through and how it shaped them into the resilient, determined women that they were. They modelled something that I am so grateful for. So as we think about mums today, as we remember mums and celebrate mums, let's turn our attention to the most famous mum in the Bible, to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, we can have a very idealised view of her. And of course, some streams of the worldwide church do venerate Mary very highly. 
Whilst in certain respects, she's one of the VIPs, you know, the very important people of the Bible narrative, there's a great deal that we can learn from her example. Whether you're a mum or not, uh, whether you have children or not, whether you are a woman or not, this talk is definitely not just for girls. And in many ways, it is her complete ordinariness that makes her perfect to learn from. So first of all, we're going to read from Luke chapter 1 from verse 26. It's very familiar to us. And you'll be thinking, Ginny, what are you doing? It's not Christmas. Why are you reading us this? But we're going to read from Luke 1 first. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. So what can we learn from Mary? Well, firstly, Mary said yes to God. You know, it's so obvious that we can almost gloss over it and miss the magnitude of it. Mary was probably about 14 years old. She lived in the back end of nowhere, Nazareth, which according to the research I've done, was probably no bigger than 1,500 to 2,000 inhabitants. You know, no bigger than the my workplace. And suddenly an angel shows up with a personal message that she will give birth to the Son of God. And she says, yes. So where did that lead her? Let's just think about this for a minute. It led her to teenage pregnancy, check. Uh, social stigma, check. Giving birth away from the security of home, check. Life on the run as a refugee, when a power-crazed ruler wants to kill your baby. Check. Let's make no bones about it. This is a tough gig. And that's just the first two years. Personally, I'm hugely challenged by Mary's example to us. Saying yes to God, aligning ourselves with and being caught up in his kingdom plans and purposes. Saying, as we've been focusing in our series on prayer, your will be done your kingdom come, is amazing. But it's also costly. It's not a ticket to an easy life. In fact, the Bible tends to suggest the opposite. You see, Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But then he also goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So are you willing 
Am I willing to keep saying yes to God? Well, if you're running after him with all that you've got, I just want to encourage you to keep going. Keep going, keep pushing on, keep persevering, keep saying yes. But if you know that your yes has become a bit more of a maybe or a when it fits in or when it suits me, then let's reset. Let's recalibrate our expectations about the life we lead when we follow Jesus. Let's buck the trend, if you like, of the postmodern entitlement narrative that it's all about me. It's all about him and he longs to hear our yes. Can I encourage you to read about those who have said yes to God and let their example inspire you. Uh, one of the things that, that Richard and I do, we receive a weekly email from the Philo Trust, um, where J. John shares what we can learn from the lives of ordinary people who said yes to God and yet did extraordinary things. They really are quite inspiring, challenging and humbling all in one. As Jim Elliott, uh, an American missionary to the indigenous people of Ecuador said, rest in this. It is his business to lead, command, impel, send, call. It is your business to obey, follow, move, respond. And if you know the story of Jim Elliott, you know that that led him to lay down his life for the gospel age 29. Now, I'm going to quote a, a well-known theologian here. Uh, Don Green, one of our All Nations family, said something really profound uh, when we were doing the prayer course just a couple of weeks ago. He said this, God has a flat democracy. It's about our availability, not about our suitability. It's about our availability, our, our willingness to say yes, not necessarily about our gifting, um, our skills, how the world views us, how important we are. It's about our willingness, our availability. Perhaps you're listening today and you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. And you're thinking, I didn't realise it might be challenging. I thought I would come to Jesus to get put right. I get that. That's certainly part of the deal. But let me tell you something. Life is challenging with or without Jesus. And I don't know how anyone faces life without him. Let's face it, this last 12 months has tested many, many people, bringing them to the end of themselves. You know, Jesus loves you passionately. He laid down his life for you that you might say yes to him. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus. You can join us for our Easter services in just two or three weeks time. And you can sign up for the Alpha course that we'll be running very soon. And if you're interested, you can post in the chat online now or you can email us. We would just love to help you find out more. But, you know, it wasn't just a case of Mary saying yes to God. Let's read another episode from Mary's life, this time from John chapter 2 from verse 1. Another very well-known story where Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. 
Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told, the, told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. So what we see here is that having said yes to God for herself, Mary then points others to saying yes to Jesus. Now, before we go any further, can I just say that I would not recommend, dear woman, that's not our problem, my time has not yet come, as a great verse for a fridge magnet, at least not if you don't want to be sleeping in the garage. But I do wonder how many of us grew up remembering these words, just do as you're told, being uttered by slightly exasperated parents. Perhaps you know you find yourself saying that to your own children. I know that I can say yes to both of those things. I know that in my day job, in teaching, one of my mantras for students is, school is easy, turn up, be kind. If you can't be kind, be quiet, do as you're told, go home. Let's be honest, many of us struggle with doing as we're told. It's part of our fallen, broken nature that we don't want to comply if it doesn't suit us or we don't like it. Through the last 12 months, it's manifested itself in all kinds of ways. You just have to look at the standards of mask wearing that you encounter to know that. I know I have spent this week reminding teenagers, yes, you do need to wear your mask. Yes, you do need to wear your mask properly. Yes, that does mean over your nose, okay? On a personal level, the most challenging thing for me about the return to classroom learning has been the insistence that students and teachers wear masks in lessons. I don't like it, but I actually have to do as I'm told. There's a sense in which Mary was doing the same thing here, but in a more positive and affirmative sense when she said, do whatever he tells you. Having said yes to God herself, letting her life be caught up in his eternal plans and purposes, Mary encourages others to say yes to Jesus and to do what he says. In this story of turning water into wine, doing what Jesus said, pouring water into stone jars and then taking a sample of it to the MC who then declares it to be the best of wines, shows that Jesus takes what is ordinary and turns it into something extraordinary. When we do what he says, there is transformative power in that, not just for us personally, but which can spill over into every sphere of our lives, our ordinariness can be transformed into something extraordinary when we say yes to Jesus and do what he says. So let's just roll back a few weeks. At the beginning of the year, Richard spoke to us about being SALT. And you may recall that as he unpacked the acronym SALT, S-A-L-T, he spoke about how we should be those who learn and lead and the need for a discipleship revolution as we step into all that is ahead for us as All Nations Church. 
And as I was preparing this for today, I really felt the Holy Spirit remind me of this and this model of Mary first saying yes to God and then telling others to do whatever he tells them. It's very powerful in this regard to learn and to lead, to say yes and then encourage others to say yes. We are believing what the Holy Spirit has been saying, not just to us as all nations, but actually in many, many churches across the UK about revival in our nation. And part of positioning ourselves to be ready for this, to be ready to disciple others, is to fulfil the words of Matthew 28, 19. Go into all the world and make disciples, those who follow Jesus wherever, whenever, whatever, to say yes to God and encourage others to say yes to him too. So let's just take a few moments to think about what that might look like. Well, first of all, I believe it starts at home. As a parent, pointing our children, Simon and Alice, to Jesus has always been a high priority. Even now, even now as they're all grown up and in their 20s, that's still a really high priority for us as their parents. And it's got to be authentic because let's face it, kids quickly rumble the inconsistencies of anything that looks remotely like do as I say, not as I do. If you're a parent, a grandparent, an auntie, an uncle, commit to prayerfully and sensitively doing everything you can to point your children to Jesus. We have a fantastic children's work here at All Nations, and I would just like to publicly say a massive, massive thank you to Norma, Emma and their team for the amazing kids' work that has continued through the last 12 months. It has been top-notch. And how do I know that? Because I have been watching as well and I don't have any children at home. Thank you so, so much for all that you have invested in producing what has been high-quality um, very age-appropriate teaching and activities for children to learn more and more about Jesus. But brilliant though that is, that should be an addition to what is happening at home. Your children need to see you saying yes to God in your life and then investing in their spiritual journey. Reading Bible stories, talking through issues from school and, and asking the question, what would Jesus do in these situations? Praying together, making being together as a church family when we can, and let's hope it's really soon, a high priority. Adopting some spiritual aunties, uncles, grandmas, granddads into your family to help you do this, because let's face it, so many of us are scattered from our biological families now. Let me gently ask you and provoke you. Are you as concerned about your children's salvation as you are about their education? Will you be like Mary, pointing them to do whatever Jesus says? If you'd like some help with that, then please just get in touch with us. We would love to help you parent your children and bring them up in the ways of the Lord. But also... Secondly, look to be a spiritual parent. In just the same way as I'm so grateful for the legacy of my mum and my grandma in my life, 
I'm also incredibly grateful for the influence of several spiritual mums and dads over the time that I've been walking with Jesus. The people who've prayed for me, who've listened and advised, who've shown by their own saying yes, how to keep on following Jesus, their wisdom, their godly counsel, their challenge, their provocation has been invaluable in helping me to keep doing what Jesus tells me to do. I know that some of you are listening today. Thank you. I know you know who you are. You see, the language of church is the language of family. Our heavenly Father God, Jesus, his beloved Son, our calling to be his children. We are to be each other's brothers and sisters with the same heavenly dad. But you know, sometimes churches behave in a very dysfunctional way as a family. It's like we come together for Sunday dinner and then we don't interact for the rest of the week. We're off in our own bedrooms doing our own thing. Well, if we're to keep growing in and going for Jesus, we all need every encouragement that we can get from others in the family. That discipleship revolution that Jesus, uh, that Jesus, that Richard spoke about a few weeks ago. It's the invitation to come and be like Mary, who learnt to say yes to God and then led others to do the same, to be one who invests in others' spiritual growth and development. Now, you might say, well, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I've got the time. I don't know if I'm qualified enough. Let's be real here. It's not about having loads of time. It's not about how old you are because people become Christians at all ages and stages and all need discipline. It's not about being trained in theology and having all the answers. And neither is it about doing a course, right? It's about doing life together. You know, when we look in the Gospels, and, and I spent quite a long time um, in the back end of 2020 reading again through the Gospel of Mark. When we look at the Gospels, we don't see Jesus calling Simon and Andrew to be fishers of men and then sign up for a training track. What we see is Jesus doing life with his disciples, hanging out with them, asking them questions talking to them about spiritual truths from the things that were around them. Follow me, he said. Can you commit to follow him and sharing that journey with someone else? Someone else that you can encourage in the faith? Perhaps I'd invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to who that might be. You know, now as we're positioning ourselves for the future post-COVID, God willing, post lockdown, God willing, it's a great time to be looking to do things differently, to be making some changes to how we, we do life. Don't make it complicated. Discipleship is first and foremost a relationship and it grows over time and every single one will be unique and different. What might it, might it look like? Well, I'm just gonna share what works for me. Um, there are some people in, in the church and beyond the church that I've really felt led by the Holy Spirit to say, look, how about we hang out together? How about we meet up and chat and just encourage one another? Um, and then we get to the D word, discipleship. We meet up about once a month 
at the moment because it's all we can do. We either video call or we walk and talk. We meet up for coffee and talk about the big stuff, not kind of just chit-chat, our personal walk with Jesus, family and relationships, work and study, gifting and service, hopes and dreams, struggles and disappointments, prayer needs and prayers answered. You know, what we're seeking to do is to apply what the Bible says, to share experiences of how the Lord has helped us in the past, in the present. We spur each other on. Yes, I'm investing, but I'm also learning. I'm being taken deeper through these relationships that are developing. See, like Mary, what we're doing is we're reminding each other to do whatever Jesus tells us to do. I'll be honest, this is massively on my heart and has been for many, many years. I hear our cry for revival and consider what that might look like in the church. There'll be people finding Jesus from all sorts of backgrounds and situations who are going to need spiritual parents to help them understand the Bible, learn how to honour God in their relationships, at work with their money, make godly decisions for their lives. Will you be one of those people who will say yes to God and then point others to saying yes to him too? And as we conclude, we have to be open to letting others point us to Jesus. You know, for some of us, this is tough. It flies in the face of a society that screams independence, follow your dreams. You can be anything you want to be. You can behave how you want to behave. And it can also be tough because we have to be vulnerable and we have to trust. Be prayerfully active in looking for those who can walk with you as you journey with Jesus. We're going to pray now, uh, and I just ask you to be really open to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. Lord God, we just thank you for this Mother's Day. We thank you for those who've invested in us, whether that was our biological mums, adoptive mums, uh, whether that was spiritual mums. We thank you for the investment that they've made in us. And Lord, we, we just pray for those who are struggling today because they miss their mum or because they didn't, weren't able to be a mum. We pray for them that you meet them, Lord, and give them peace and comfort and reassurance that all is well with you and all is well in you. And Lord, we pray for those who maybe haven't said yes to Jesus. If that's you, if you'd like to say yes to Jesus, you can put in the chat right now and one of our hosts will gladly pray with you as you explore what that might mean. And if you want to be someone who will say yes to Jesus, I'd ask you just to stand now. Someone who's been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you're saying, yes, I'm going to continue saying yes to Jesus. Stand now. Let's commit together. Jesus, thank you for your call on our lives. Thank you that you call us to follow you and to keep following you and to be persistent in following you. I pledge, I commit to, as best as I possibly can, to continuing to say yes to you. And if you feel, actually, yes, I want to be a disciple, I want to be somebody who invests in others, then let's pray together. Father God, thank you that the language of church is the language of family. 
Thank you that there aren't any orphans in the church. And we're sorry for the times when actually we have treated people as orphans. Help us to be spiritual mums, dads, brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, to walk together and journey together, to share truth together, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to pray together, to read the word together, so that we can all keep saying yes to Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day.